Okay, good morning everyone. <clears throat> Welcome to the Life and Torah of Our Leaders. Tuesday mornings, live with First State of Ismedrish. Special welcome to our Torah Anytime viewers and listeners who will be joining the share. And I'd like to thank sponsor for this share, Mr. Ephraim Kazin, Rafua Shalema for Nechemia Ben Bluma Necha, Besay Yisrael. Today we're going to talk about a totally different time period than we've ever talked about and a different region as well. And we're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about Harav Doin Yitzchak Abar Benel, better known as the Abar Benel, which it's very unclear when his yard site is, but there are those who say it's on Yud Tes Sivan, which was this past Sunday. He was nifter in the year 1508, which makes this year his 513th uh, yard site. Now, it's a very fascinating story. The family Abar Benel, the Arbarbanel himself writes, and most of the information of what we're going to talk about today, the different uh, tkufas of his life, are actually documented by him himself in the prefaces to many of his farim. And um, in that way, we actually have from all of the, that tkufa, 1500s, early 1500s, um, or I should say really 1400s, um, we don't have a lot of real exact information about different Rishainim, um, from that time, but the Barbanel we have from his own words um, the exact information. So the family of Barbanel, he writes, is Mizera David Mishayrish Ishai, comes from the family of David Amelech, from Malchus based David. And they came to Spain, to Svarad, or that neighborhood, Spain, Portugal, that area, already from Churban Bayes Rishain. From Churban Bayes Rishain. In fact, the Abarbanel in Zechariah, Parak Yudpeh, Pasuk Zayin, brings B'Shem Harav Yitzchok ben Geus, the Re-Geus, that says, Shabo Shtei Mishpachas, Mishpachas, two families came from Beis David, came to Svarat. The first one was Mishpachas Bnei Da'id, Shenis Yashva Ba'alosna, so that was one family, O Mishpacha Bnei Abarbanel, Bishivlia, they were they um, they um, settled in that city. So two families from the Malchus of Beis David came to Svarad after Khorban or by Khorban by Isrishan. In the end of Malachim, the Barbana writes that many cities in Spain and Portugal and those areas, Svarad, were given names by the Jews based on cities in Eretz Yisrael or based on their experience. For example, there's a city, Luzina, that city is named after Luz in Eretz Yisrael. Toledo, which in Hebrew is Talitula, that was named by them because of the tiltal that, that they had to, the, the uh, upheaval, so to speak, that they had when they had to leave Yerushalayim. So it was named after their experience. Um, he doesn't write this, but there are other Svarim who write, there's a city, Escalona, is named after Ashkelon, Tamblik, or something like that, is named after Beislechem. So different cities in Svarad, in Spain, and Portugal, were actually named by the Jews based on the cities in Eretz Israel and based on um, their experiences. Now, he writes, the Ein Bo Mehurban the 
Abarbanel writes it was not only to Svarad that Jews came by Chorba Mayas Rishon, they came to Tsarfas, to France, to uh, Eretz Ashkenaz, to Germany, Ulishar Malchias Bereyadaim, and to the other places of the kingdom of Adaim. And he's saying over there that it's coming to fulfill the Nevuah that Kla Yisrael is going to be exiled to Adaim. Now, the, the um, description or the title, Don, which is what he's known as, Don Yitzchak Arbar Benel, that was given to the Chashiva people in Svarad, and some say it actually comes from the word Adoin, master. So Adoin became Doin. What is the name Abar Benel? Where does that come from? So if you look, he writes in the in one of his Svarim, Nachlas Avais, on Masechta Avais, in the beginning he has sort of like a, a, a poem, a shir he calls it, and um, over there he spells it out, Bar Ben Kel. The son, the one of the son of God, so to speak. And that's where the name Abar Benel came from, Bar Ben Kel. Now, the family of Abar Benel for generations um, were zayched to what we would call Tyro Gedula b'Makamechad. They had Tyra and they also had riches b'Makamechad um, in the same family. And in fact, in one of his farm, when he begins, he says, Ani Agever, I'm the man, Yitzchak ben Ishchai, Rav Palam Yisrael, the son of one who accomplished so much in Klai Yisrael, Gadol Shemai Adoin Yehuda. He doesn't call him Dain, he calls him Adoin. That's, um, that uh, fits well with what we said before, that Dain is sort of a, um, is, it comes from the word Adoin. Yehuda ben Shmuel ben Yehuda ben Yosef ben Yehuda, mi b'nei Abar benel. Kulam Anoshim Rosh B'nei Yisrael, they were all Chashavah people in B'nei Yisrael, Mishayrish Beis Lachmi, from the house of Beis Lechem, from David HaMelech. That's what he writes in his preface to Sefer Yeshua. <coughs> in, in Sefer Bereshis, in Parshas Vayichi, Parak Memtez, Pasuk Yud, and the Pasuk Lo Yosur Shevet Yehuda. Umchaykek mi ben raglov, referring to the Malchus of Yehuda and the leaders of Klai Yisrael, also always came from Yehuda. He writes, even in Galus, this Galus, Ha'orach Hazed, this long Galus, Ad Sarfas, that made it to France, the Galus of Yishalayim Asher B'svarat, and the Galus of Yishalayim that's in Spain. Ein Safik, he says, I have no doubt, Sha'anasiyim v'anagidim asher hoyu ha'malachim v'akilis m'manam al-b'nei Yisrael. Then any of the leaders that were appointed either by the kings or by the communities of Klal Yisrael, Hayukulam Mizera Beis David. They were all from the family of Beis David. Lekayim Loyosur Shevet Yehuda Mechaykek Mibein Raglov. So he's saying a very fascinating thing that all leaders that were appointed in Sfarad, um, whether by the king or the community, he says. Um, he says, Ain Suffolk. There's no doubt to me that they all come from the family of Yehuda, because that's what the Pasuk tells us, leaders are going to come from Yehuda. And that was his family as well that came from Malchus Beis David, from Shevet Yehuda. Yitzchak, as he is known as his name, Yitzchak was born to a house, he describes it as Oyshev Echavid, riches and honor in the year 1437 in Lisbon in per- Portugal. His father was in charge of the uh, storehouses of the the treasury of the king of the kingdom of Portugal, 
And um, he eventually also filled his father's shoes and also became very close to the Malchus. And he writes, Very high and lofty level with kings. He writes about himself that uh, I was very close to all of these, in the palaces of all of these uh, rulers. And I was very close to them. Now, which king was it? The king of Portugal at the time was Alfonso V. And he calls him a melech by teach by Hashem. The Barmanel calls him a king who feared Hashem. I basked in his in his shade. And I was close to him. And he relied on me. That's what he writes in Akdama to Yeshua. In his uh, in his position as a uh, an officer of the king, he helped the Jewish people as much as he could. <clears throat> now, in uh, 1471, the king conquered a city from Morocco, Arzila. Portugal conquered it, and there were many captives that were taken. There were 250 Jews that were brought to Portugal, and <clears throat> and he appointed 12 people to go around the entire land to collect money to redeem them, and he gave a tremendous amount of money as well. He continued to support them until they were able to get on their own feet, to learn the language of the land, and be able to get their own job. He continued to support these 250 captives. He writes about himself, I built a big palace for myself. My house was a gathering place for Chachamim. Referring again to Tamid Chachamim gathering in his house. And from my house, many svarim and seifrim, um, <coughs> excuse me, emerged from there. So that was his his uh, position in Portugal. In the year 1472, Reish Lamed Beis, he was 35 years old. He finished his first sefer called Atera Zikainim, which basically was. 25 chapters explaining the Pasuk that says, After the Parshas Kisisa, after the Cheto Egel, Hashem says, I'm going to send a Malach ahead of you. He has 25 Prakim um, that explain these Psukim. And basically, he talks about the Ashkacha Pratis, how Akadish Baruch Hu takes care of Kla Yisrael. And that's the Malach that Hashem sends to take care of us. And that's what the Sefer. Um, <clears throat> the Sefer is is about. Now already in this Sefer you're able to see his style and basically his style was to stand up for Torah to, true Judaism and um, to stand up for, as a Ben Torah fighting for the understanding of what Kla Yisrael truly is. And he went with a Rebbe of his Rebbe Yosef Shem Toiv who lived in Castilla in Spain in the 1450s and the Barbanel um, writes, quotes him in uh, Sefer Shmais when he talks about the vessels in the Mishkan. He says, that this godly one, Rabbi Yosef Shem Taiv, already explained it. That when I was a young man, I was a bacher, when I was young, I heard um, from his mouth, Chachma in many, many different things. It would seem that he learned by this Rabbi Yosef Shem Taiv. So perhaps he went from Portugal to Spain. I'm not 100% clear. But he does say that as a young man, he heard many things from him. And Rabbi Yosef Shemtai was also one who stood up 
and fought very strongly against the philosophy of the time and stood up for Torah true values, we would call them. And the Barbanel went in his ways, in his farim, already in this first Sefer at Herzikainim, you see how he set himself up for what his job ahead of him in life was. In 1481, Alfonso passed away, and his son, John II, became the king. Now, he wanted to now um, rein in, so to speak, the rulership, that he should have as much power as possible. And he went and he, um, he accused many different royal families of, of uh, treason and rebelling against him. And one of them, one of his carbonas, so to speak, was the house of the Duke of uh, Braganza it's called. And uh, he had them all killed. Now, Rev Yitzchak Abarbanel was close to this family, and because of that, people said to the king that he also wants to rebel against you. And this wasn't true, and Abarbanel talks, uh, writes about this for uh, a good paragraph or so, how they, they said shkarim about him, they said lies about him, and anyways, but the king believed it, it seems, and the king called him to come to him. So, of course, if the king calls, he come. But on the way, he heard that the king is calling him really to execute him. So he writes, I see an upside-down world. The, the, the father, Alfonso, he called him a, a, a melech of chesed. A yari shamayim. Here he says, I see no emes, I know chesed. And he had to make a split-second decision. He says, I decided to run away and I left everything over. I left my wife, the wife that Hashem gave me, my children, all of his riches, all of his fortune, he left, and I left on my own, in the middle of the night, and I started to, to go. And they chased after him. Eventually, he escaped to Svarad, to Spain. Um, he did write a letter to the king, it seems, afterwards from Spain to convince him, try to convince him of his, um, try to convince him of his, his innocence. However, um, however, the king was not Macabalit. He didn't, uh, he wasn't Macabalit. And the king confiscated all of his wealth. However, he did leave, let the family leave Portugal. So his wife and children were able to leave Portugal and come to Spain. However, he was left penniless. Um, <clears throat> now, in the Hakdama to Sefer Malachim, he writes that in Portugal he had already started writing Svarim on Yeshua, Shmuel, and Malachim, but because he was so busy with the Malchus, he wasn't able to finish them. But he writes for Akshav, um, when he come, when he came to Svarad, he said, Pirashti, so now I went and I, I, I wrote my Pirush on these three Nevi'im, but for a reason. Yeshua is a name of, of salvation because Hashem saved me from the sword of Paroi, meaning from the king. Shoiftim, judges, I wrote on that. Hashem is a judge in this world and He'll, uh, he'll uh, judge my case and he'll, those who wronged me, He'll take care of them. I was able to borrow this from Hashem, meaning, I guess, his Chachma, he understood, was all from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, just like Shmuel was named that um, by his mother. Um, <clears throat> now, how long did it take him to finish this farim? Savior Yeshua took him 16 days, from Yud Cheshvan to Chav Vav Cheshvan. Then, after that, on Rosh Chodesh Kislev, 
He started Shaiftim till Chafhech Kislev, 25 days. Shmuel took him longer. He started in Aleph Tevis all the way to Yud Gimel Adar. This was all in the year 1484. He put out these three Svar. Now, it would seem that around that point, he learned in the yeshiva of the Maria Buav. Maria Buav, we mentioned, I think, last week, Rabbi Yitzchak Abuav in Amsterdam, but that was a grandson, a great-grandson, however many grandsons it was that the Beragoyla, um, well, maybe not so long, if this is the 1400s, and that was in the, in the uh, yeah, 1600s, so it's about 200 years later, that Rabbi Yitzchak Abuav that we mentioned last week is not a Rishon. This is the Maria Abuav, who's a Rishon, quoted by the Baisaisif many times, and he had a uh, yeshiva in Castilla, in Spain, and it seems that um, the, 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 the Barbadel must have like learned in that yeshiva at this point. Not really as a Talmud, he was the same age as the Maria Buav, so he couldn't have learned with him as a Talmud. But in the Kesef Mishnah, in Kesef Mishnah, in Hilchus Brachus, um, Perak Gimel Halacha Ches, it says over there, the Kashemisa says, Lashen Zen Nishal Bipumbi Rabsi Shal Chachamim. This was asked in a, in a public place of Chachamim, Uvichlalam Haneshar Agadol, amongst them the great eagle, Maria Barbanel, Biyoisa Loimed Biyeshiva Sarav Agadol Maria Buav. So the Kesav Mishnah, which is the Beis Yosef, says that when the Barbanel was learning in that yeshiva, this question was asked. Now the Barbanel and the, and the Maria Buav were come out the same age, a few years apart. So I think the assumption is that when he came to Svarad and he was writing his Svarim here, so he set up shop, so to speak, um, in, uh, in, in the Maria Buav's yeshiva. This is in the year uh, 1484. He was born in the year 14... Um, what did we say? He was in the year 1437. So he was 40-some years old. He wasn't a young man. Um, then he writes that when I wanted to start Sefer Malachim, again he did Yeshua, Shaiftim and Shmuel, but then he was called to the king of Sfarad, Ferdinand and Isabella, the famous Ferdinand and Isabella, to come and head their treasury. Um, their treasury had been empty, they were fighting wars against the, uh, the Ishmaelim, the Arabs, whoever they were, and um, he, um, their, their treasuries had been empty, they were in the middle of this war. And they asked him to come and figure out ways to replenish it. And with his chachma and whatever he did to make money for them, um, he made them very rich people. And he writes, I then got again Kavan Malachim. So Imamish went from Portugal down, top of Portugal down to the bottom. Now he's back up to the top of Spain. And um, he writes this in the Akdama to his Haggadah Pesach. And he used again his his um, his influence to help out the Jews, like he writes, Reish Lechalami, I was the head of all my people. And in fact, the Inquisition at that time was strong, but he worked very hard to weaken them in his influential, influential uh, position in the government. Um, after about eight years, Spain won the war, and in the year 1492, they were able to... Um, to um, to conquer the last uh, stronghold, Granada was called, and it is all the way in the south of Spain. And then they decided, now the next thing to do is to clean out the country from Jews. And in his Akdama to Malachim, the way he describes it, that Barbanel is, that the king, Ferdinand, said, how am I going to thank my creator? Uh, he put this final last city in my hand, the greatest way I could create my, I could thank my Creator is if I bring those 
Jews who walk in the dark, bring them under his wings. Um, and uh, if not, I'm going to have to throw them out of my country. So Ferdinand was trying to thank his God for helping him win by throwing the Jews out of the country or forcing them to um, convert to, uh, to Christianity. Um, so in the end of March of 1492, they put out the, uh, this, this edict of expulsion in all of Malchus and in all of Spain. And the Abarbanel writes that I wrote to the king three times. And I asked him, Lama Sasa Kailavadecha, why are you doing this to uh, to your people? And he, he says, But the queen And the queen, Isabella, she stood on his right hand just in case he's gonna give in to me and and, and rescind the edict to make sure that he doesn't. Um <clears throat> now it seems that they, they bring down that uh, since it didn't help, um, so the king didn't want to rescind it, um, so he wrote a letter to Isabella the queen, and he would, and he didn't give her any covet at all, and he told her that, I don't know what she's trying to do, but Hashem is going to take Nekama, the Nekama of the Jews from her, and from her household, and he mentioned in that letter all the people who tried to do bad things to the Jews, and how they had terrible ends, but still it didn't help at all. Um, now it's interesting, in, in his Pirish on Yeshua, page Nun Dalit, he writes, Look, if there was ever such a thing, such a pain like we have, based on the Pasuk in Eicha. And he writes over there a very interesting thing. If you remember way back um, in Cheshvan, we talked about the Rush. The Rush was in the 1300s. And uh, he came, he ran away from Germany after the Marama Rutenberg, um was uh, was was Nifter, and he ended up in Sfarad. And if you remember then, he, he hooked up with the Rajba, and they fought against the concept of philosophy. Philosophy was very prevalent, and was bringing to people, to Minos, to people, to heresy. And so this is uh, 1492, we're talking about almost, uh, you know, 150 years later, um, says the Abarbanel that the reason why there was Golis Farad was a punishment for the oven of Minas of heresy that was prevalent in Svarad. And he says, I, I, I'm going to have to say, because we don't have God in our midst, because we don't believe in Him. And that was a direct result of being involved in philosophy and Chakira, trying to prove if there's a God, if there's not a God, and this was something the Rush and the Rajva fought against. And as we said at that time in that share, there was different sides to the to the Machlaikas about it. But this is 150 years later. You see the havoc that it had wreaked on Svarad. And because of that, says the Barbanel, that is the reason why there was a Xera, a decree of expulsion. Um, <clears throat> there's a Sefer, Sefer HaKabbalah, written by Rav Avram ben Rav Shleima, who was one of those who was in the expulsion of from Spain. He was a young boy of 10 years old, and he wrote about his experiences, and he writes that most Jews and their gedolim and their leaders stayed in Spain, and they converted to Christianity, and uh, they were what we call the Moranos, and... Um, from the great ones of Sfarah and the leaders, only a few actually left that they were willing to give up their lives Al-Kiddush Hashem, as we'll see, the ones who were expelled and the ones who, the ones who left did not have an easy time. They were putting their lives at risk. 
He writes, and the greatest of all them was Ha'eshel Ha'gadol, that great tree, Hasar Harav Doin Yitzchak Abarbanel, Shakidesh Hashem Bifarhesia. He sanctified Hashem's name publicly, Le'ene Hamelech Vasarim, in front of the king and all the officers. And in Yirmiyah, the Abarbanel writes himself, he says that the king, when he gave his edict, he gave it three months earlier, and he didn't know that the three months actually end on Tishabav. He didn't know what Tishabab was about. Shamayim led him that this expulsion should happen on Tishabab. And that's when it happened. And Tishabab of 1492, 300,000 Jews. And we're saying that was just a, few, uh, a small percentage. See how many Jews, like we said, most of them stayed. Ma'ati says only a little bit left. 300,000 Jews. Um, left Svarat. Sefer HaTaydah brings down, and this is, I don't think it's from the Abarbanel, I didn't see it anywhere, but from someone else, that he writes that they actually permitted an orchestra and bands and music to be played as they left Spain, these 300,000 Jews, on Tishabov. Number one, to thank Hashem, even though it was Tishabov, to thank Hashem that they were able to withstand the test and not uh, convert to Christianity, even if it was in se- secret, like a Murano, that they were able to withstand the test and pick up their belongings and leave. It was a celebration. And they wanted to say also that the only time you leave a Gullus crying is when we left Yerushalayim. When we left Yerushalayim, we cried. But any other stop in the Gullus, as we move from stop to stop, we don't cry because that's not our home place. You cry because you're leaving your home. And therefore, they had the Rabba, they wanted to leave Besimcha. Yes, this is not our home, and if we're being thrown out to the next stop, we'll go to the next stop because this is what the Rabbi Nisham wants. Um, this was Mesiris Nefesh, as we said before. In the Akdama to Malachim, the Barbanel says that these people who were who left, Mitzom, Tsoros, Rois, Virabis, terrible things happened to them. Some of them um, actually went on ships to try to find places to get to. Um, some of them were captured and sold as slaves in Africa. Some of them were drowned at sea. Some of them were burnt in fire. Asher lacherev lacherev. Some were killed. Asher lashvi lashvi. Some were captive. Yisharu me'at meharbe. Nisharu me'at meharbe. Only few were left from those many who left. So, you know, you would think that those who left, you know, Hashem would give a special Ashkach HaPratis to, but this was the Ashkach HaPratis that He gave, that many of them suffered terribly and or um, were killed. Some of them went to Portugal, some went to uh, Navarra, which is uh, north, north of, of Spain, some went to Africa, like we said before, in ships, um, others went to uh, to Greece, others went to Italy, and Rabbi Yitzchak got to, um, to Naples in Italy, and... Um, no one was allowed to take out any of their wealth from Sfarad, from Spain, except um, Rabbi Barbanel. He got special per- permission to take out a third of his fortune, and anything else that was taken by the and the the um, the payment, so to speak, it was in exchange for the fact that the uh, the the government now has the right to collect all of his debts. So I guess it was a good investment for them. So he came out with some money. But uh, no one else came out with anything. So he's now in Italy. And um, when the king of Naples, Naples itself was like a kingdom unto itself. Um, his name was uh, Fernando, Fernando I. Or uh, he's also called Ferrante or something like that. And uh, he heard about it and he took him to his house. 
and he took him to his palace, and he made him one of his uh, yoyatsim, one of his advisors. You see already the the the, um, the trend here of what's going on, the pattern in his life, and uh, through his involvement, he was able to help out many of the refugees. While he was there, he finished. It, he wrote his sefer Amalachim. He finished it in Chaf Tes Elul of fourteen ninety three. He started to write a sefer called Tzedek Olamim, but somehow it got lost. And he also wrote a sefer in there in Naples called Reish Amana, which basically was about the Ikrim, the main uh, tenets of, Ju- of, of Judaism. The Rambam has 13 Ikrim, like we know that's the 13 Animamids, but there's really a big machlaikas about it. There's Rav Chastoi Krashkash, Rabbeinu Krashkash, one of the Rishainim, who has six Ikrim, the Re Elboy, the Sefer Ho Ikrim, has three Ikrim. So basically, he was wrote this Sefer to talk about the Ikrim, but to defend the Rambam's sheet of 13 Ikrim. In 1494, um, Fernando I died, and his son was named Alfonso II, became the king, and he also liked um, Rabbi Yitzchak. But in 1495, the uh, French came and they conquered uh, Naples, Napoli as it's called, and because of that, the king Alfonso had to run to Sicily, <coughs> and Don Yitzchak Abarbanel ran with him, but then they separated, and the Abarbanel went to Corfo in Greece. Um, he was hoping to go to a different city called Messina in Greece, but Corfo was, uh, is on the, uh, on the water, is on the border there, and he was waiting for his family to come over. I guess he had to run quicker because of uh, his closeness to the Malchus. Um, he writes over there, And when the French um, took over Naples, all of his Svarim and all his stuff they took and they destroyed. So he lost a lot of his library. He began over there in Corfo to, um, to write on Sefer Yeshaya. Um, however, but he had to push off that Sefer for the following reason. He had started many years earlier in Portugal writing on Sefer Dvarim. And when he had to run away from Portugal that first time, so it got lost. His Ksavim got lost. And he writes, Nishba was either broken or, or captured. That was just a way of saying that it was lost. And I never had it until now. Although he was very sad because he had to run away again and he lost all his farim. However, somehow... Bederich Neis, he found his Sefer there in Greece. Someone someone had it there. I don't know how it got there, but he says it was sort of a Neis that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave it to him. Benafshi Tzahalan, I became very joyous over it. And because of that, he continued writing on Dvarim as opposed to on Yeshaya. At the end, his family stayed in Naples, in Napoli, but he wasn't able to actually go back there because it was dangerous for him to do. So therefore, but he wanted to be closer to his family, so he went back to Italy. He went back to Italy to a place called Monopoli, M-O-N-O-P-O-L-I, and um, he was there in, in Reish Nunvav, in Reish Nunvav, 1496. In Erev Pesach of that year, he wrote his Sefer on the Haggadah called Zevach Pesach, and it was basically to be ma'orer, to awaken people to looking forward, yearning for the Geula. That's his whole life was running, was gullus, and uh, ups and downs, and it was a Sefer written for yearning for the Geula. Now he writes in the Akdama, Kizakanti miyais lish, I'm very old, the Zavani Kaychi, Veinani like it's Shilshaim, Varene gamhem initi, 
So he writes that when he put out his Sefer on the Agada, he was already old, and he's not at his full strength, his eyesight's not so good, but he continued to write, because nevertheless, in Yud of Tammuz, he finished his Sefer that we quoted before, on Mesech Avas called Nachalas Avas. And in the beginning of that Sefer, there's a piece that he writes on the Mesera of Klai Yisrael and the Mesera of Teresh Abal Peh. And that was very important for many of the Jews at the time who were suffering a lot because they were staying steadfast to the tradition of Klai Yisrael. It was a big chizik for them to see clearly the Messiah of Klai Yisrael where he develops it and talks about it, how we have a clear Messiah and there's what to stand up for and what to be loyal for. In 1498 he finished another sefer called Migdal HaYeshuas. And that Migdal HaYeshuas is really three svarim in one. The first sefer in it is called Mayone HaYeshua and Daniel. Mashmiya Yeshua is on the Nevois in Tanakh about the Gula Hasida. And Yeshua's Mashiachai, the third sefer, is the Mamarim in the Gemara and Midrashim that talk about Mashiach and Geula. And a big portion of it was um, to counter um, the claims of many of the Christians that they have the, uh, the real religion. And probably he wrote this for the Muranos and others who were, you know, were maybe being swayed by all of this, the uh, of the arguments of the Christians, and therefore he wrote this to to be strong and show them and to uh, show them how their tainas are not are not true. Rishchai um, Deshalul of 1498, he finished his Pirish on Yeshaya. We mentioned before he started it, but he pushed it off to finish Devarim. And over there, <coughs> on the Psukim in Parak Mem, Psukim Gimel Tavav, he writes, According to what I think, you, you, just, you also have to just stop for a moment and listen. He keeps on calling the, the Galus of Svarad, he calls it the Galus Yerushalayim Asher B'Svarad. Right? So we're talking about in the 1500s, Chorban Bayis Rishon, Chorban Bayis was in the year 70 of the Common Era. So that means that Chorban Bayis, that means the Bayis was built in 350 of the Common Era, I'm sorry, uh, before the Common Era, and another 70 years before that was the Chorban, so we're talking about 420 years before the Common Era was Chorban Bayis Rishon. And we're talking about the 1500s, right? So, <clears throat> we're talking about the 1500s, or 1500, so then about close to 1900 years later, maybe close to 2000 years later, from Chorban Bayis Rishon, he's still calling everyone Galus Yerushalayim Asher B'Sfarad. Just that's how they lived. That who, this is who we are. And he writes, it's referring to the Akalus, and other places, that unfortunately double the amount of Yaitzim Mitzrayim. So 600,000 people went out of Mitzrayim, 1.2 million people, he writes, converted to Christianity. Because of the terrible Tsarist, that was the Inquisition, and all of that. And many of them really inside their hearts, they're really true to Hashem. He says, but the Navi tells them not to worry. You're not going to remain again with the Goyim. You're going to return to Hashem. And the Pasuk over there in Yeshaya says, When you go through the water, says Hashem, I'm with you. Says the Barbanel, That is a remez to the baptism water that people have to go into when they um, converted to Christianity. 
and Hashem is telling them, even if you go through that water, that baptal water, you're still never leaving from my hand. All the rivers in the world are not going to sweep you away from under my careful watch. And that's what he writes in Yeshaya about those Muranos who unfortunately had to pretend and... Um, and uh, they had to go through the ritual of baptism and, and Christianity. Um, he put out another sefer called Shemaim Chadashim, sefer Mifalis Alikim, Binyani Amuna. Now in 1503, in Venice, which is now um, northern Italy, he was more south, because Naples is the south of Italy. So in Venice, there was a, a little bit of an argument between Venice and Portugal, about some type of business of bringing spices from the uh, Far East. Um, it sounds like he was brought there to negotiate between the two sides. Others say he went to live with his son there, and once he was there, they brought him into negotiations. But he was there with his son, um, Don Yosef, in Venice, and um, he was brought in and he was able to, to, to negotiate something, a compromise that was good for both sides. There in Venice, he finished his Pirish on Yirmiya, an Erev Shvuis of Reish uh, Samachdalid, 1504. Yechezkel, Treyasar, Sefer Shmais. Sefer Shmais, he finished Aleph Cheshvan, Reish Samachvav, 1506, in Venice. He signs it. Aleph Cheshvan, Reish Samachvav, Vivinitia, in Venice. Um, <coughs> and it would seem his other Pirushim, Alatayra, this was Shmais, so there's still Barashis, Vayikram, Bamidbar. It would seem he finished there as well. In the year 1508, he was Nifter at the age of 71. And according to the laws of the Republic of Venice, the Jews were not allowed to bury any, uh, anyone there. So he had to go to Padova, Padova um, in uh, northern Italy over there. And he was buried in the old Beis Akvaris in Padova. A year later, in Reish Samachtes, in 1509, there was some type of war that went on over there in Padova, and um, there was a siege, and when they, they broke through the walls of Padova, they destroyed the Beis Akvaris, and because of that, his kever was actually lost. No one knows exactly where he's buried. There was a minig in Padova for many years, it's brought down in the Minhagim, that they would go, outside the city, this was an Erev, on Erev Yom Kippur. They go outside the city, near a certain place, which is called like the Long Tail, some type of alleyway, I guess. Um, in the earlier days, it was known as that was where the cemetery was. And many of our Chachamim were buried there. This is what they write in the uh, in the Minhagim. We have a tradition that Abarbanel was also buried there, so they used to go daven there. His exact Ptira, date of his death, nobody seems to know. However, like I said, there are those who do attribute it to Yud Tesivan. The year we know that it was in 1508. And therefore, if it was Yotasivan, so that was Sunday. If not, we know it was in 1508. That makes it this year his 513th yard site. Fascinating story of the Barbanel, who was really went from rags to riches and riches to rags over and over again, and yet kept his Amuna, was Mechadashem Shamayim, was Mechazik, those Anusim, those Moranos, Mechazik, the people who 
um, were willing to be Mekadashim Shamayim and leave with the expulsion of, of Spain and um, wrote many, 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 many different Sfarim and Zchusayog and Aleinu Valkal Yisrael. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Kaltov.